Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm your host, Tim Conley, and I've got a guest here today who's going to sit down with us and talk about selling. This is something that I think a lot of people just are afraid of. They say they don't like it. They, they're so worried about selling. And we're going to talk about selling, not so much like uh, how to do it, like techniques or how like selling offline translates into online selling, but more about the mindset that makes up selling. So I've got Craig Ernst here, who has been selling for a very long time, has been a sales manager. He's right in the middle of doing a startup in the real estate industry. So we're, we're, gonna, we're keeping that on the down low as to exactly what that is, because he wants to have his site ready before he launches it to the world. But he's doing all this right now, and it really has a lot to do with what we're going to be talking about today. So what's up, Craig? Hey, how's it going, Tim? I'm real excited to be here on the Foolish Adventure Show. Well, I'm glad to have you. Uh, for the people who don't know, I've, I met you recently through Dan Andrews of the Lifestyle Business Podcast. My buddy over there, he has his forum, the uh, the Dynamite Circle, and you're a member there. I'm a member there. So we we also formed a mastermind of our own, and you're, you're in it and a few other people. So I, I was like, you know, I need to get these really smart people to come on here and share what they know in building businesses, especially how all kinds of skills come together to actually form an online business. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that, um, you know, I remember being around and um, the first, uh, I think you, you didn't mention it in the, the introduction, but of course, I've, I have been in selling for a very long time. The first part of my career, I spent 10 years uh, in direct sales in the direct selling industry and did also some sales management and sales training. But I also had an e-commerce business for eight years and uh, was around right at the beginning, um, kind of, of, you know, when the when the dot-com bubble was cresting. I started uh, marketing online way back in 1998, 1999. And one of the odd things at the time is that people thought, you know, everything online was going to be different. <laughs> and of course, you know, and businesses that were based online were going to be different. And, you know, of course, that wound up largely not being the case. And that the skills that, you know, you've learned in the world, even if you've never done online business before, many of them transfer, do transfer directly to online business. Um, so, wanna, which is, which is a good jump, thing. I want to jump in here about this, this thing about being different. A lot of people think that even today, after over 15 years of the internet being commercially viable, people still think that doing business online is fundamentally different than doing business anywhere else. You know, I think that actually is, for the most part, I think that is untrue. Um, we, you know, <laughs> we always want we're always ready to declare the next revolution where everything in the world is going to be different and people are going to be different and and everything's going to change and what what's been constant and you know not to sound too grandiose about this but what's been constant throughout human history is human nature so <laughs> the fact the fact is is that selling uh and and of course you know that like yourself I've been primarily doing 
business online for years now, yet I can't tell you how much my selling uh, experience and knowledge informs everything I do online. Because at its at its core, I think, is selling is is uh, a way certainly to persuade other people to your point of view, but unlike a lot of what we think of in terms of selling about how it's about manipulation. I mean, we have we have such that in America we have such that that bad cultural stereotype, literally of the used car salesman, right, right. being the bottom of the sleaze balls uh, in terms of selling because he's going to steal your money and hoodwink you and make you buy things you don't want to buy. But when it comes down to it, as pure form, selling is about a transfer of enthusiasm. When you're, you know, when you've heard about a great new restaurant and you want to get your mate and your friends to go to, you know, let's, let's choose this restaurant tonight, you have to sell them on it. And literally that's what you're doing. And people think that, you know, oh yeah, but that's not about money. But money is, to not get too abstract, but money's a store of value. And are you not getting value by going where you want to go with you, who you want to go with and eating the food that you want to eat that night and maybe even hoping to be praised afterward for making such a good choice? Right. Of right. course you are. And so people get caught up in, you know, thinking that not only is online different, but that somehow they're going to be, and this kind of ties back to what we're talking about, about online being different, that somehow online is this magical place where, you know, I can just share my truest being and I don't have to do any of that icky business stuff and I can make money. <laughs> and, you know, the world's just not like that. I remember uh, this, uh, this is largely forgotten, but you may remember this, Tim, but when blogging really first started going mainstream and... I want to say this was maybe 2004, 2005 in that neighborhood. Uh -huh. uh, the people who had blo been blogging before that, when people, uh, when blogging started going mainstream, people started thinking, you know, more, quote, normal people, business people started thinking about how to, you know, use blogging to help make money. And they started putting ads on their site. And the outroar about, oh my God, there's ads on your site. We're boycotting anyone who puts ads on their blog as if it was some sin against humanity. Right. <laughs> that somebody was trying to make money. You know, so um, we we're we're very we have a very curious culture and way of looking at things in, you know, in the States and here in North America, I guess in general, where we're supposed to be all about capitalism and the free market. But you until know, someone this, tries to sell something, exactly, and then like, <laughs> oh, you're a bad person. You tried to sell me something, you know. So, well, and, um, and that's and that's the thing is, there's some people out there who always see any kind of marketing message, advertising as they're just trying to sell me something, as right. opposed to what it really is is trying to find the people who fit that particular company, who actually want what that company has to offer. Advertising and marketing, even with all the tools that we have, are still very inefficient at getting to the people who truly want your product. So no matter what you do in, in advertising or, or anything, like if you're on your blog, so there's and, – and I'm going to go on a little rant here. Sure. So, so in the blogging world, there's the, the bloggers who blog about blogging. They are yes. the, the the common thing going on right there is you know you all you have to do is write uh, great content and and that's it and and then you just kind of share what you have to offer and then and then your audience is going to buy from you and that that way they they're like you know that way you won't alienate any of your audience but you always will you know no right. if you do anything 
where your own self-interest comes comes to the forefront, which is required for you to make money. You have to be self-interested to make some money in the first place because you want to pay your bills and you want to eat and and things like that. So you have to do that. So you're going to piss off someone. Even if it's something as nonchalant as, hey, I just made an ebook. Get it if you want it, maybe if you like. I don't know. Even that, just the fact that you put a price tag on it would probably alienate a percentage of your audience. Oh, you couldn't be more right. In fact, I'll go farther than that. I'll go farther farther and say that just by putting out an ebook, even if you gave it away free, there would be people who would hate on you for that. Like, oh, wow, you must really think you're somebody because like I should download and read your ebook because you're so important. You know, I, I mean, and you know, this is true. Having been online, there are always and it's kind of funny. Somebody once told me and I, I never really kind of uh uh, articulated this myself, but someone once said this to me a few years ago, and I knew it to be instantly true, is that it's like when you go on Amazon and you see the bad reviews, you see all the one-star reviews. There are some thoughtful one-star reviews, but if you read them, you'll find out that most of the one-star reviews are more about the reviewer than about the book. Right. You know, that there are always people who will project their insecurities and the things they don't like on the world about uh, onto you just because you're out there. And, and, you know, let's speak a little bit about this idea that, you know, you should, your goal should be to not offend anyone. <laughs> uh, because seriously, and I mean, it's, it's, it seems like that's a thing. Oh, you know, because how, how often do we hear people say that to us, right? Oh, you know, don't, you don't want to upset anyone. Um, and, and I think it, I'm not sure, but I think it may, it, may, it may come out of a certain just politeness that we hold as an ideal. But it also in business comes, I think, from this idea that the customer is always right, which quite honestly, is kind of nonsense right. for most businesses. I mean, some businesses can really try and make that work, but for most businesses, you're just setting yourself up to be taken advantage of, especially small businesses, because sometimes big businesses can shrug it off, right? If they have a certain number of people, they don't care. It's a you know rounding error if we have to, you know, but I mean, if you're a small business and somebody's trying to take advantage of you, you absolutely shouldn't give in to them. But um, to kind of bring it back to... Um, uh, to the major point on that in terms of not offending anyone, uh, we, we've talked about this uh, off air before. And I, one, of my, one of my favorite lines that any marketer has ever taught me was Dan, what Dan Kennedy said about the fear of irking people, about fear of pissing people off, if you'll pardon my language, is that there are some people out there, and you know this is true if you think about it, who are eager to be offended. Yes. That is like their thing. They're eager to be offended. And another thing, so you always have people, if you try specifically not to offend people, you will offend people who think you're a mamby-pamby milk toast who never takes a position on anything. Right, right. And so you literally cannot win if that is how you're going to try to go through life and certainly in business. And more to the point, even in terms of since we're really talking about kind of making your way in business online uh, and, and selling and sharing your enthusiasm about things, uh, there is a very positive effect in sometimes taking a stand and polarizing people. Um, we, we've talked about this also, you and I, yeah. before. about uh, us, versus yeah, exactly. us versus them. Yeah, us versus them marketing. Us versus them marketing, exactly. It's very powerful type of marketing. You know, um, we see this to a point of extreme dysfunctionality in our political system. But if we think about, like, you know, in, in business, it's true, too. Part of 
uh, the classic thing you'll hear from successful marketers is that one of the most important things is a message to market match. Right. Right. And you need to be you need to know who your audience is and talk to them like you're one of me and I'm one of you and we understand each other like you and I, Tim, we're both comic geeks. So we stick together on that. Right. You know, we have a certain, you know, uh, a filial bond over that almost because we, we kind of know how each other thinks when it comes to that. But and, and, you know, and so let's let's say that let's say we're both comic geeks. And I actually told you when I was in the e-commerce business that my business was related to fanboyish stuff. And so there were no doubt people who thought that, you know, what a complete loser waste of time this whole business is. Right. And yet there were other people who just loved it to death. You could do no wrong. But it's really about right, knowing who you're speaking to and knowing that there are certain people you're not speaking to. And if they don't like you, it's almost so much the better. Right, right. That that you've weeded out the people that are not a match to your message. Right, exactly right. And also there's this – and then it's kind of a related issue, which is – and uh, I almost hesitate to bring it up because both you and I have strong feelings about this. There's like the pop-up controversy. Right, right. And, and this has to do – this is kind of a related issue in that you need to establish kind of who – like Seth Godin says, who your tribe is – but but more than that, another another uh, feeling online is that oh you don't want to offend anybody and you know do anything that's going to alienate your audience. Well, you know what, having an audience is good, but unless you're passing the hat around for donations, I don't know really how to make a living off of an audience. You right. know, I only, I only know how to make a living off of paying customers. And the people who will often complain the loudest when you dare to do something like advertise on a site or offer a free, uh, you know, ebook or something in exchange for their email address for an opt-in are the people who have no intention of buying from you anyway. Right. So why in the world should you care if you're irritating those people? I mean, are, are you really, and I'm not trying to sound harsh, but you really have to think of this. Are you, are you, or are you not pursuing your dreams, trying to put uh, food on the table for your family, pay your rent or pay your mortgage? And, you know, are you worried about offending somebody because they can't have as much free stuff without any aggravation as they want? I mean, the thinking about this is almost bizarre if you really follow it to its logical conclusion. Right. I, I've kind of become the pop-up curmudgeon online because uh, I, I do. I'm, I'm very vocal about it. And I don't even care if people use pop-ups or not. It's the Yeah, that's like beside the issue, right? So right. the pop-up's just emblematic of the whole idea of you shouldn't ever do anything to offend anybody that might make them go away. Yeah, because it, it's turned into a moral dogma that's that's going on, and I think it's doing a lot of damage to people. And this and this comes in cycles; it comes and goes all the time. Where something comes up that people are like, "Oh, we should never do this again," and and that's that's bad by by doing this because it it offends other people, and so therefore we should never do it. And it just comes in cycles, and it's all related to sales. Yes, it is. Be, you know, uh, people people are afraid that someone's not going to like them. They they want everyone to be their friend, and so they'll they'll do as what John Carlton says is they'll sell from their heels. 
which is, you know, here's my stuff. Take it if you like it. You know, if you don't, okay, that that's fine. You don't you don't have to get it. You know, I'll I'll be happy with whatever comes my way, as opposed to taking control of one's own destiny. And I, that's that's how I feel about sales. Is that it's it gives you the opportunity to take control of your own destiny. That's absolutely true. And we also have to, again, kind of like just using a pop-up as one example of trying to, and, and think of it this way, you're trying to get a hold of the people who are most engaged with you. And there's a way to use any tool. Yes, there are ways to be more obnoxious with selling and be less obnoxious. And it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder because there's, we talked about like direct mail. And before the internet, everybody hated junk. You know, all people love to complain about junk mail. You know, oh, look at all this junk mail. Crap, crap. Throw it all away. Oh, my favorite catalog. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Which is indistinguishable from all the junk mail they threw away except for them. So apparently, direct mail, sending junk mail is not bad. It's only bad when you don't want it. Right. So I think there are ways to, and, and this is true, and everybody, and, and this is okay too. I mentioned I was in the direct selling industry for a long time. I had a, I had a, a, a high level of success in that industry. I was not the top salesperson, but I was very successful. But one of the things is that I wasn't what would, we would consider a hard closer, right? I wasn't the high pressure guy who was going to, you know, make you feel uncomfortable unless you, you know, like I'm not leaving unless you decide to buy. In fact, there is a way to sell that is almost so soft, if you will, that people don't feel like they're being sold. And I think that's the goal. I once had a, um, a colleague come with me who's a little younger. She was very good, but she just, and sometimes this happens in any business, you kind of hit a rough spot where seems, things just don't seem to be going your way. And I had been doing well, and she decided to accompany me. And we, we did face-to-face sales presentations in people's homes for real high-quality consumer products. And uh, after uh, I finished a uh, presentation that went well and had a nice time, the lady bought a bunch of stuff, and we were going back out to my car, she said to me, that was unbelievable. And I'm not saying this to build myself up because of what she said afterwards. She said, you must have asked that lady to buy something like 25 times. <laughs> but she said, but it didn't feel like forced. You just kind of suggested and you mentioned and you said, had you considered. And she said, but it all worked. And she was really happy when we left. And I said, that is true. I said, because I'm not comfortable with like real hard, high pressure selling. And that just goes to show you when you're online, you don't have to be obnoxious to sell. But just suggesting something, providing something, you know, saying, oh, hey, opt in here if you would like to get this. If not, click here to skip it and don't worry about it. You won't see this again. Right. Well, I, w- I want to go into uh, like those kind of techniques about – and not so much th- that we're going to get like really technical here on the selling side. But sure. I think people would do very well to learn those learn those skills, whether or not they become like a top salesperson offline, but they should at least learn the skills because they translate into every aspect of your life. That's absolutely right. And uh, 
you know, one of the things uh, I had also mentioned in the past, and you and I have had lots of conversations off air, but is that I have a friend uh, and colleague in, who is really one of the top speakers in the country in the field of selling and influence and persuasion. And one of the things he says is that, uh, you know, the tools of influence are the tools of manipulation also. It all follows your intent. And so, you know, you can learn. And also, he also talks about how broadly applicable they are to every you know, field of life. I mean, you talk about, for example, um, uh, you know, say say your heart being in some, you know, good causes, charities, non organizations, advocacy organizations. And if you've ever been affiliated with one of those organizations or been a supporter, who sells harder than nonprofits? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, and using guilt. And, right. It's, yeah. because, it's because, let's face it, they have the courage of their convictions. Right. You know, they, they're not willing to you know, beg or, you know, or just try and shame you sometimes or, you know, just overtly pull at your heartstrings because they consider what they're doing that important. And now, you know, you might not be in a business where it's life changing. You know, you might, um, I don't know, you might sell, uh, you know, uh, uh, grilling equipment over the web, you know, home grills and accessories and stuff like that. But if you have some cool new items, if you have a list of grilling enthusiasts and there's some really, and you're one of them, hopefully, like you have some affinity for who you're selling to and you see this new product come out, like say there's this awesome new product that just makes cleaning a barbecue grill, which as you know, is just, it can be a horrible process. Right. right. It's just hot and nasty and dirty and just, you know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you squirt this stuff on there and it like cleans off like the guys on the crazy infomercials, like right when they just it just wipes right off. Would you not be just super psyched to be almost maybe even in a little a little bit in people's face to say you've got to see this? Right. Right. And, and that's that's something that a lot of people don't really embrace is that if they are actually selling a high-quality product that solves the problems of their target market or fulfills the desires of their target market, if they truly know that they have this product, they should embrace the fact that there's people out there who are going to love it. And if they do not take the initiative to put themselves out there and, as you said, transfer that enthusiasm – if they don't do it, then they're depriving their market of satisfaction, of fulfillment. They are depriving them of that. That's absolutely true. In fact, you can probably imagine situations if you really are dealing with a market that's enthusiastic uh, about your topic or subject matter or the, you know, the focus of your business and there is a really high quality product that you know about maybe that you haven't pushed very much, you can probably imagine there are people in your market who would actually be mad at you like, I can't believe you didn't tell me about this sooner. This right. stuff is awesome. And, and the fact is some of the best advice I've ever heard anyone give, and I, I can't remember, I know there's some pretty famous people who have given this, and when I say famous people, I mean in the business community and the sales community who have said this, that if you have a problem selling anything, you need to really examine what's going on in your head, because you must you kind of have some issues that you need to work out about your feelings about that, but if you just kind of have a problem with what you're selling, that's you, in particular, that's a warning sign that you don't believe in what you're doing, the product and service that you are, you know, pushing. 
and I mean that in a very neutral way that you're you know pushing forward. And if that's the case, you should find something else right. that you can believe in. And I think that's important too because sometimes, especially uh, people starting businesses online, there you and I both know there are a lot of hucksters out of there, out there, and there are a lot of systems and there are a lot of products and services that you know you look at and you go, gosh, he's making so much money, but man, that's a little scammy. And if you <laughs> feel like that, just don't walk away. Right, right. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's really not because you won't feel good and you won't sleep well at night. Well, and then people who uh, are wanting to sell their particular product and they're ho- they're holding back from it because you know they they're again going back to you know afraid they're going to upset some people. They they want people to like them and they start having this conversation in their head. Especially online, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. we don't have direct interaction with a person. We're we're writing a sales letter. We're we're crafting a video. We're doing a podcast or something, and we don't have direct one-on-one interaction with a person to find out whether or not we're going overboard, or if we're not pushing enough, if we're not sharing our product enough with the person. We That's don't. Right. We don't know. That's right. Sometimes it's hard to gauge, which is which is why it's, I know something you really uh, you know suggest to your members is that they test and they get feedback from their you know their customers and their audience because I think that is important. Um, uh, there's also uh, another issue that is kind of related to that that we haven't really addressed that you're touching on when you're talking about promoting your own product is that a lot of times we hold back or we we're not sure how we feel about promoting something because it's ours. <laughs> and we feel that we might be overly selfish in pushing something that's ours. And we also, let's face it, might have some doubts about the quality. And the best thing you can do if that's the case is, you know, offer a strong guarantee. Offer, hey, look, I'm dead serious. I think this is great. Uh, but if you disagree, Give it back to me. I will happily give you all your money back. And even and even more than that, please tell me why you think it's no good. Right. You know, because I'd like to improve it. I, I don't know that this is the be all and end all, but I think it'd really be useful. And I would encourage you to try it out. Yeah. So I, I want for everyone listening, what what you're hearing is a lot of stuff we're, we're kind of going into. Here's how you can do something. Here's how you not do something. But what it all comes down to is that inner. it's called the inner game. It's the games that you play in your head about what people may or may not be thinking or or how you personally feel. And you you end up having these convoluted conversations with yourself in your head that have absolutely nothing to do with reality. Right. And it and I think that's like the biggest stumbling block people have with business in general, not just sales, but but in business. And and I okay, let we do it in our lives too. Like, oh, I'd love to meet that person, but but I, you know, they're so cool and and I'm and I'm not. So so I I don't I'm not going to go talk to them. Or you're at a you know, for business side, you're at a networking event and there's this famous person there just got off the stage talking. And you're like, oh, I'm not going to go up and say hi. I'm not going to go up and introduce myself. You know, look at all those people who are already surrounding them. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to butt in. Probably not going to like me anyways. And and these are just the, all the stuff we're saying to ourselves in our head. And, and then we wonder why we don't succeed. 
Yes, and and one of the thing uh, one of the things about that too, since we're talking so much about mindset, is that you look at other people who have succeeded, and one of the things that you need to understand is how much like you they are, <laughs> and that we need to remember that everybody is insecure, and that a lot of the most successful people. Or, quite frankly, and I think you know this too, Tim, are some of the most insecure people you will ever meet. Right. And they're like, so that's why one of the reasons they can be so, so driven sometimes, because they're trying to prove to themselves most of all that they're good enough. So, you know, it's, it's, it's normal to have doubts. It's normal to, to feel bad when somebody, you know, criticizes you or your product or, or, or what have you. But it's all part of life and everyone gets that. Yes. Yeah. Everyone's going to get it. And and we've got to learn. Some people call it building, you know, getting a thick skin. Um, but for, for me, I, I'm not a, a thick skin kind of person. I, I feel the stuff that happens. Like when somebody... Uh, it sends me a nasty email. Usually someone who's never bought anything from me, uh, right. it sends me a nasty email. I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this totally sucks. And sometimes I even try to respond and engage with them to find out like, what's the root cause? Cause maybe, maybe I did something. And then, I, then I realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm having this conversation that is actually detrimental to me by, right. by essentially trying to engage with in the in internet speak trolls you know engage with a troll and and it's actually going to do more damage to me and no good to the other person i'm not going to be able to lift that person up all i'm going to do is pull myself down right yeah it's interesting because while i think that we need do need to be open to criticism especially substantive criticism yes. like hey you know i really wanted to like your product and i followed you and you know i'm trying to i'm trying to work through it but i just i'm totally confused by this part i don't understand you know and i just don't think it's clear at all that's a substantive criticism right right the the, the, the criticisms that go along the line are you suck and you know things like that that are personal attacks uh, that are that, those are not substantive. You know, how dare you? That's not substantive. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I, I was I was discussing somebody. This is kind of a a, a a pop cultural reference, but I was telling somebody recently that I think, and I'm a student of psychology, and I think, and I know you are, and I think that anyone who works in selling, marketing, persuading anyone has to be a bit of a student of psychology. And I think one of the funniest uh, myths of our popular culture that's that's put forth by like the romantic comedies and the films as a punchline is that oh I'm breaking up with you but no really it's it's me it's not you right? right and that's considered like oh of course he's lying but you know what I found out in real life it usually is them <laughs> and that when you have somebody that's like kind of like you know breaking off with you and I'm not, I'm not talking about relationships here but let, I, I want to steer it back to uh, business some the person who's criticizing you kind of like I said about that Amazon Amazon one-star reviewer and you know they're they're venting on you and they're like you suck you this how dare you this I can't believe that type of language that's about them right you know this is somebody who's like you know, it's rolling downhill, and, and I, I don't know that I would suggest this, but when I had my e-commerce business, sometimes I, you know, I would get unloaded on for what I thought was no good reason, and sometimes I would decide to bitch back at them. <laughs> and I, I don't necessarily recommend this as a tactic, but 
just kind of, I, that was who I was, you know, who I am sometimes. If you confront me, I'm going to confront you back sometimes. And I did. And here's the amazing thing, Tim, 90% of the time they said, you know, wow, I'm really sorry I was like that. You're right. I just, I don't know. I was having a bad day and I just fired off the email and just, you know, let's just sort this out. Right. It, and that's, that's the thing. We, we take things so personally. That, that's one of the things that I learned in the early days of my selling career was that I had to get over taking the no personally. I would. I'm like, oh my gosh, they didn't buy from me. Well, you know, what did I do wrong? Do they not like me? You know, is my hair messed up? You know, like you, I was just like, all sorts of things could have been the thing that they they said no, and and I I really felt like they were saying no to me. Right. The nice thing about being on the internet is that you don't get those no's directly very often. No. And that's the thing. You're removed from that, aren't you? Right. Largely. Right. Right. So you, you don't get those no's directly, but people still, without even knowing it, are preventing themselves from even trying because they're afraid to get a no. Like, what if I make my product and I put it out for there for sale and no one buys it? <laughs> well, okay. No one bought it. Maybe uh, then that means... Uh, a few things. Maybe your product wasn't as good as you thought it was. Maybe you didn't promote it properly. Uh, people didn't really understand the product, so therefore they didn't buy it. Maybe you were trying to sell a, a solution where there was no problem or to a market that didn't have the problem that needed solving. One of, one of our biggest cognitive flaws one in terms of the way the, the kind of almost short circuits and the way our brain works is that human beings, and it's a survival mechanism we developed kind of like when we were in the wild. We had to figure things out because if you didn't figure it out, it might kill you, right? <laughs> so like, you know, oh, wow, my friend got like crushed under a rock. Maybe that's bad to stand under loose rocks, you know? Maybe that's what happened. And so we have a human – part of human nature, the way our, our brain works, is we uh, very quickly ascribe causes to things. And that's just how our brain works. Right. And, all, and, and uh, another thing about ascribing causes is that studies show is we're usually wrong <laughs> when we ascribe a cause. So in the example you said, you know, I put my product out there and it didn't sell or only sold a little bit. And, you know, the, the quick uh, uh, conclusion that we often come to is that, oh, I suck. My product sucks. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to. You know what I mean? We go down the spiral. Right. Here, whereas the truth is the real reaction. And sometimes you do have to work at this should be, huh. That's interesting. <laughs> so it could be probably a list of 100 reasons you might have to test. Maybe your title sucks. Maybe you didn't promote it well. Maybe you have the wrong audience. Maybe you had the wrong marketing partners. Maybe you need to put the product in a different format. Like you put it in an ebook, but maybe your audience is more into video. Maybe the price is too high. Maybe the price is too low. That's literally happened. You and I both know that. We've seen no people who like price something because out of, you know, kind of low ego, you know, oh, I'm just going to charge like $9. I'm sure it's not worth it. But sometimes it's a signal to other people that, well, it must not be very good if it's only $9. Right. And he could have probably charged $79 and sold more. Right. And that's the word test. I, I, lo I love it because I try to get it ingrained into my members that everything they need to do is test. 
everything I say, they need, they don't need to take it at face value. They need to test it. And the beauty of using the word test when you go to do something in business is that it removes a lot of emotion. It, it, It makes you feel like a scientist. And instead of being personally rejected when nobody buys your product, it becomes, oh, I, I'm a scientist looking at this, trying to discover why this isn't working correctly. And, and you can go through testing methodologies and it removes those emotions. Well, it lessens those emotions. It doesn't get rid of them. No. Uh, you, you still have them, but it, it lessens the impact by thinking, okay, this didn't work out. It was a test and not a failure. Right. It's all about framing the problem correctly. You know, if you, it's more that you need to be more focused on the search uh, uh, on the why and and testing to find out the why than just that it didn't work. You know, I mean, and I don't know, you know, you can kind of get, there's only so many ways to state it, but you're absolutely right. It's really about that kind of having that curiosity, and to be willing to test things and having, even if you don't have 100% confidence yet in maybe the business you're trying to start or even in the method you're using, you can have confidence in yourself that you can figure it out. Right. Other people have figured it out. There is no one golden path to success. And as our friend Dan Andrews said in a recent podcast, which I, I thought was so true, and people who sell you want to sell you things will often lie to you and say this is not true, is that success tends to be very singular. Right. And that we and when I say people who want to sell you things will lie to you, and I know that's kind of a bold statement, but it's true. What you know, politicians, we know politicians lie to us. In some ways we're culpable culpable in those lies because we will not elect them if they tell us the truth. Right. Uh, marketers sometimes, especially who are selling complex things, and you know, <laughs> I think there are ways to do this ethically. Yes, you know the the success in in seven easy steps. Yes, they tell us they prey on our weakness and what we want to hear. Here is the magic bullet that if you fire it out of this special gun, will turn into a shower of golden jewels, and you'll live happily ever after. Right. Um, and they, or they say, here is the exact blueprint. And if you just follow the exact blueprint, like I did, uh, you know, you, you'll make millions of dollars too. And the fact is, is that the devil's in the details. The devil is always in the details. And and not just, not just the details of implementation and stuff, but in timing, in market changes, and also what's going on in your own head. Yes. And uh, it's interesting. We mentioned just kind of in passing at the beginning of this call that at this point in my uh, career, my market, the the people that I am aiding and and selling to are real estate agents. And um, one of the... uh, popular things. There are many people who who sell sell stuff to and help the realist, you know, agents in that industry. And one of the popular um, things recently, uh, there are more agents that are active agents that have large teams where they have many people working alongside with them, and they may do hundreds and hundreds of transactions a year. And there's a certain mindset that says, "Well, why? Wow, these are the only people really to learn from because after all, they're doing it." Right. And there's some there's some wisdom to that, but what you have to understand along with that is that and it goes back to the idea that success is singular, that anybody who's done it, yes, it worked for them. But let, let's take a look at this really closely. The fact that what they're doing now may not be the same thing that got them there. 
in the first place. Right. They already have a sophisticated business. Also, they got there from the path, even if they are doing some of the same things, they got there along their path at a certain period of time when those things worked for them. Things change very quickly in this world. I started an e-commerce business in 1999, and it went very well for me. If I tried to start that e-commerce business the same way in 2012, I guarantee you it would not go well for me. Right. Because the landscape has changed. Also, the person you may be learning from may has different inherent talents, different life experience, different philosoph- you know, philosophical outlooks that may all contribute to their success or maybe even some of their failures in other areas, which are different than yours. Right. So, so I guess what I'm trying to say in a very roundabout way is that you need to make sure when you're learning that you learn from a variety of people and you try and garner lessons where you can and find out what fits best for you. Right. That's why I'm going to use that word test again. That's why I always say it in the show. That's why I always tell my members this, that the things that I teach, they work in that they have happened in the past. Right. And they are highly probable to work again in the future. But highly probable is not the same thing as if you do these seven steps, you're going to be a success. Because if I said those things, I would be lying. And you can go out and see all the advice out there about how to succeed. And you'll see this kind of talk uh, that they, they will say, this is how it's done. And you just follow it. And it's a recipe for success. Well, they're leaving out a lot of the other things that actually caused their own success when they talk about it. You know, it's more correlation instead of causation. And that's not honest. And so I've tried to do the honest kind of marketing where it's, oh, you know, test this. And it's a scary thing for people. They're like, oh, I'm not sure if I really want to, you know, go join Foolish University because, well, they talk about testing things and, and actually being responsible for your, for your success as opposed to this other guy over here who says, hey, you know, if you just do this one thing, you're going to be a millionaire tomorrow. And, you know, it's like I like that message. <laughs> you know, the, it's actually that's so important. And, uh, and, and, and I think and I like to think that you and I are trying to provide your listeners with truth instead of just what one here because we're not selling anything today. So we're trying to pass on the best of our experience. And, and it kind of goes to also what, you know, I, I like very much what you said about correlation and causation. Right. So just because something is a related factor doesn't mean it's the cause of the result. So like I've heard in the fitness industry where, um, you know, some scientists have, uh, so, you know, physiologists have criticized what some popular fitness gurus teach and saying, you know, they said, oh, but this, you know, they said to do it this way. And they say, you know, that's really a bad idea. And you're probably not going to get great results from doing that. Oh, but this person did it that way. That's, you know, that's how they built such a great physique. And sometimes the response is, you know, that person may be so genetically gifted in terms of their physique, like it's just one of their gifts genetically, that they could do like half of everything wrong and it would still turn out great. Right. But all they know is what really worked for them. Right. And so that's what you goes back to you. You have to test it. If it doesn't work for you, you don't you're the result isn't, you know, the, the conclusion that you should come to is not necessarily like, oh, I can't do it. And obviously, you know, just the plan has to be right. So I have to be wrong. Maybe the plan's wrong. Maybe well, it's just not a good fit for you. Right. Uh, it may, uh, the plan may not be 
just wrong. It may just not, it, ju- it may not be the solution necessary for you. Right. The wrong in those circumstances, right? Not as in not the right solution, not as an absolute wrong, but not for you. Right. Right. So, Craig, we've been going on for a while now about this inner game of selling and some of the things that hold us back. So I want us to kind of end this. Like, can you give us like your final last words that say that that really gets people inspired and gets them past their own insecurities and, and the things that hold them back? Yeah, I, I think the the biggest message I have, and uh, and I hope that I hope people will take out of this is 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 two things. One is what I had said earlier that if you are not passionate about what you're doing, if you're not really interested in what you're doing, if you don't feel good about what you're doing, about what you're selling, about what you're promoting, find something else. Life's too short. And I guarantee in a practical sense, you will have much more success if you are engaged and excited about what you're doing. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that I would suggest that you, and this this takes courage, but don't hesitate to share your enthusiasm and your passion with your audience. Even if, I mean, even if you're selling, I don't know, even if you're selling wool socks, that are just kind of cool, hip wool socks that are different than everybody else is selling. I'm assuming if you're doing that, it's because you have some, you know, cool little line of wool socks you found. You know, if you're excited about that, don't be afraid to be a little geeky. Don't be afraid that, you know, somebody's going to think, what's this guy so, you know, excited about it's just wool socks. It's okay. Be that guy. And if you need a little inspiration, go watch some of the old wine library TV shows with Gary Vaynerchuk, where he's just like bouncing off the wall talking about different kinds of wine and didn't care if anybody thought he was goofy. And, you know, it certainly paid off for him. So that's what I would suggest is, you know, believe and be excited in what you're doing and don't be afraid to, quote, sell. Don't be afraid to transfer that enthusiasm and take a chance that you might actually inspire your audience. That is fantastic advice. And so I just want to say thanks a lot, Craig, for coming on and for everyone listening. Hopefully you got some good value out of this. Uh, Hopefully you got some inspiration. Hopefully you'll stop dogging yourself in your in your own mind and just go out there and test and don't worry about failing because it's not a failure until you give up. So until the next time, enjoy your foolish adventure. You've just listened to The Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module, over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your Foolish Adventure. Foolish Adventure.